0: Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another episode of season two of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University, and joining me today via Zoom is interim manager of Methodist Library and Special Collections, Candace Riley. Hello, Candace. Hi, Andrew. How you doing?
1: Doing, doing good, yeah.
0: <laughs> doing good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another, another weird and wacky semester for for many of us, right?
1: Oh, that's for sure, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so what do you have for us today?
1: So in continuing our celebration of Black History Month, I want to focus on Frederick Douglass uh, today. We have here, um, Frederick Douglass's My Bondage and My Freedom. We're lucky enough to have a first edition published in 1855. Um, it is the second of three autobiographies actually written by Douglass. And it is mainly an expansion of his first, um, which was entitled Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. And um, this volume, it's, it's a really deep meditation on what the meaning of slavery and race and freedom is. And it was very, very important uh, during its time. And it was even a bestseller, which is a, a very important thing to note that people were eager to read his words. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a first edition like this is really wonderful for researchers and students um, because they get to see how the work was originally published and portrayed to people. There is that research quality there of looking at the first editions. And I mean, also there's the monetary interest that, you know, something like this is is so old and so valuable. So there's that, a uh,
0: Mm -hmm. right but yeah if as a researcher if you wanted to see the you know the first edition that folks would have purchased and actually engaged with this is this is the one that you want to go to
1: absolutely a lot of you know institutions will have this one especially a lot of special collections Mm -hmm. um but it's it's important to see within our holdings as well as drew and then to look at the complements within our collection for the rare book materials or university archives um, to look at that level of history that you can engage with. So, in addition to having a first edition of this work, um, which we showcase to quite a lot of classes, we also have some manuscripts um, signed and written by Douglas, which is, I think, even more exciting because you get to yeah. see what not a lot of people get to see, um, because you know you can look up and get a later edition of that work, you know, at any bookstore, but you right. get a manuscript. So we have uh, a couple of letters within our collection both obviously written by Douglas. One was dated 1866, uh, the other one 1873, and they're both uh, written to um, Bishop Haven. He's a Methodist um, bishop. So these come from the Methodist Archives collection and they're very, very valuable um, for research interest to see what Douglas is talking about to this time. and these are personal letters um, that he's writing to his, um, to his friend.
0: Yeah. So his handwriting
1: is actually great, too, for anyone interested in paleography out there. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's very readable. He, he's, it's a beautiful script. Um, so it, it's not too hard. And I know a lot of students right now struggle mm-hmm. with script because it's not taught in schools anymore, which is unfortunate.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, my my own experience sometimes reading 19th century handwritten manuscripts like, like this, um, you, you're lucky if it's this good.
1: Yes, absolutely. Just wait until you uh, one day stumble upon a a 16th century indenture, you're going to want to pull your hair out. (laughs) But this is, uh, as I was saying, a great handwriting, and you can really see, clearly identify what he is saying uh, to his friend Bishop Haven. In the 1866 letter, he's mentioning the lecture circuit that he is on, and um, how you know, what he's talking about at this time, what he's trying to do and how he's upset and threatened actually with violence. He says he doesn't want to be caught up in any violence and he's afraid a blow is going to be thrown at him. So it's, it's very somber and, and almost uh, terrifying through that, he, you know, he's fearing for his health and safety during this time. And he's remarking on this to his friend and these are all because of the issues of you know, race and color, and he's trying to defeat the race and color amendment. So he's, you know, working on a petition for that. And he's remarking on that with Bishop Haven, which is, is really powerful.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. I see him in the 1866 letter, uh the second page right there, right at the yes. top, race and color amendment. And
1: then, you know, the letters to him continue over the years. And we have also the 1873 one. Um, And he mentions that he would very much love to make a tour through the South um, this winter, as he suggested, and that he would love to meet up with him. And he hasn't He's been sorry that he has not done a tour previously um, you know during that winter time and he apologizes for that but you know just a very short letter it's not even a page long and he said he wants to you know remain in, in communication with him and it's a very beneficial influencer. And uh, he, he always signs it to uh, him, I am my dear sir, very truly yours, Frederick Douglass.
0: Now, do we know any more about their relationship, The relationship between Douglass and, and Bishop Haven?
1: We do have more letters within the archive that um, go towards their their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop Haven was a really wonderful figure in the Methodist church community, and that there is more on that within the archive collection.
0: And where, where was he located?
1: So a little bit about Bishop Gilbert Haven, Um, he was a bishop of the Methodist Episcopal Church. He was elected in 1872 and he was consecrated a bishop in May 24th of that year. He is a really wonderful figure within the Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, He believed in the absolute equality of all persons and if they are equal in the eyes of God, he held that civil society would have to recognize their equality under law and in practice. He was very opposed to the practice of any type of racial separation in churches. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of seeing why he has this connection to Frederick Douglass. Then. Sure,
0: yeah. Um, same same kind church. of outlook, same uh, political and legal goals, certainly.
1: Yes. So um, a really important figure for the Methodist church and also for you know the civil rights issues mm-hmm. at the time. He was mostly um, in Malden, Massachusetts. That's where he passed away. Um, so he a okay. Methodist Bishop. And, you know, he's, he stirred the pot a bit because people were not so happy all the time that he you know was so radical in his beliefs. Um, it was interesting, actually, there's a little uh, snippet of information for you that there were publications made after he died that were written by him. So Bishop Gilbert Haven was said to commune with people that were psychic and they would write down what he was saying. Oh and weird. <laughs> it was a, it's a very interesting thing. there was actually two publications made after his passing. and I'm like, one could wish they were that successful as um, a writer that they publish after they're dead.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's like he's like Tupac.
1: Yeah, so but he he was talking about spiritualism and in, in these you know posthumanist writings and he talks about you know they, they mentioned how he's such a good man and how he was like you know on the right side and very um good for equality, good for all sides. But it's interesting that they said he was coming through the afterlife to speak and to preach. We actually have one of his pamphlets in the collection that happened after his passing, which is a very interesting bit to our methodist collection.
0: (laughs) So So can can we actually determine whether his mortal and living interlocutors, so to speak, were actually writing these? Or was it just, Uh, you know, from his manuscript uh, that, that someone found after he passed?
1: No, it was new information. Um okay. and actually the woman that was, you know, feeling cut him come through her basically that mm-hmm. kind of, I'm forgetting the term when she was doing the automatic writing, that's the word. Oh, okay. She was doing the automatic writing. She was said to do this for quite a lot of people and mm. she's best in the biz and there was um one part of the pamphlet that says like Bishop Gilbert Haven is, you know, very grateful that she was there to Come through and do this. So a little bit of you know, she's patting herself on the back. Who can say if it was really Bishop Gilbert Haven or right. if it was somebody um, you know picking and choosing what he's done over the years and compiling in this new publication? It's sold right. very well, though. So the publishers uh, definitely were happy with it.
0: Yeah. Wow. I guess. Yeah. If I mean, if if you study someone's writing and you, and you have a knack for the style, it's, it's possible. But yeah, I'm I'm sure it sold very well as well.
1: Yeah. So let's see if there'll be ever <laughs> more automatic writing posthumously. <laughs> Yeah, that's our that's our little Gilbert Haven um, anecdote within the archives collection. But he was a, a Gilbert Haven was a good friend of Frederick Douglass, and we're lucky enough to have two of these letters within our collection.
0: Yeah, that's that's great to see Frederick Douglass's writing up close and personal like that. Um, thanks very much for sharing these with us, Candace.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: that's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candace Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.